This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 10.30. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, Canoe Creek, we're going to continue with that same uh, passage and story, that Old Testament story that we saw last week. Um, We're going to highlight the ending of it because there's an amazing pivot in the ending of it. Uh, let me just simply say that as as we look at this, I want you to remember. Maybe you went and read. I hope hopefully you went and read Second Kings chapter six, verses twenty six to thirty one. I didn't read them for you because they're just gut wrenching. I'm certain that if you read them, they kind of turned your stomach, and certainly you kind of looked at them to uh, screen them before you read them with your kids. Uh, but the point in that, and I, why I wanted you to see that for yourself, is to see just how desperate this situation was. They found themselves in just one of the worst places you could ever find yourself in. And what I was hoping that would help us with is I'm certain that there's a lot of us right now that are struggling in the circumstances that we're in. Um, It could be all kinds of things that are causing us to be emotionally drained and really struggling. Sometimes perspective helps us turn our mind to think about, okay, rather than looking at what I don't have right now, let me look at what I do have. And, uh, and that, I think that story and the desperation of their situation gives us tremendous perspective. And if you remember, we were focused last week on how Elisha, who is different from Elijah, by the way, Elisha was dependent on God. And we see this, this story where he shows this amazing dependence on God. And then through this very difficult circumstance, he finds himself in the middle of in a city that's being surrounded by an enemy army. Uh, for whatever reason, through circumstances or time, we see his, his faith depleted or drained. But yet, it was awesome to see his faith return to him. But in the midst of that, we saw the king of, of Israel and, and the people of the city, they were making desperate decisions because they lost their dependency on God. We always make desperate decisions when we don't have a God who's in control, a God who can give us focus, a God who can encourage us uh, about where we're at and what we're going through as well. Let me just remind you really quickly, this enemy army had come, surrounded the city, depleted them of all their supplies. They were in just a completely desperate situation And they had ultimately lost all hope. And in the midst of losing all hope, Elisha, his faith returns. He is the leader for the people. And he says, listen, God's going to show up, and he's going to show up in a big way uh, this time tomorrow. Now, let me make sure that we understand, sometimes we want to believe in a God who does whatever we want, whenever we ask, however we want. But that's not the God of the universe. Uh, he's not our genie in the bottle. And, and even though he, he does show up, as Elisha says that he will, and he does provide for those who are faithful to him in a profound way, they had to struggle first. And so sometimes, you know, we, we want to have the faith to believe that God can move mountains, but we also need to have the faith to trust who he is, is still uh, perfect in this world, even when it doesn't go the way that we want. 
And so, but Elisha's faith comes through in a bold way. And then here's the turning point of the story. It, it involves a small group of men outside the gate. And let's take a look at this. Now, there's, there's a mouthful here, but it really gives us context of the story and leads us to the real big turning point within it as well. This is 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 through 8, if you're following along at home. This is what we read. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. And they said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Armenians, the enemy, and surrender. Look at their statement here. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, then we will die. I mean, here are people that are... I mean, like, they have no other options. They have no other choice. They are extremely desperate, and it's really uh, shown in that simple verse right there. So at dusk, they got up. They went to the camp of the Armenians. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. The entire camp of the enemy army that's causing all of this desperation within the city is completely gone. Look at what happens next. It says, for the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army so that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. What I love about this statement is it says the Lord had caused. You know, it's always God who's going to bring about a better opportunity in our situation, but we have to trust him. We have to depend on him. And in fact, sometimes God will allow extenuating circumstances in our life to move us off of our own agenda, to move us from trusting in ourselves so that we can trust in him and he can cause something to happen that's far greater than what we could cause on our own as well. So look at what happens next. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was food and all and ran for their lives. Now, the men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and look at what they do. They ate and they drank. They, get, they fill themselves as much as they can. Then look at what happens next. They took silver, gold, and clothes, went off, and hit them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. You know... Over the last few weeks, this, this incident is unprecedented and it's worldwide. Um, we've had other ones like it in other ways, but this one's just unique. And over the last few weeks, I am confident that in a large way and in small ways, we have seen some of the worst of some people. Uh, maybe you're struggling with forgiveness issues right now because of something somebody's done in your life, taking advantage of the situation that we're in. So whether it's price gouging, um, whether it's what I often call e-courage, that is social media armchair quarterbacks. Some people think they know exactly how to fix it, yet they have limited knowledge and perspective on the situation to begin with. Or it's just simply politics as usual in some ways. It's times like this, it's circumstances like this, that sometimes we see the worst out of people. We see people who will take advantage and they will hide away from themselves whatever it is that they can because of one simple reality. They become very self-focused. 
that become very self-centered. And, and, and I'm sure that we've seen that. We see this here in the story. This is exactly what's taking place here. And the reality of it is there is evil in the world. There always has been evil in the world, and there will be until God comes and, and takes us to the new place that he is preparing for those who trust in him, who believe in him, and who follow him. Uh, but there will always be people who are solely focused on what I want, what's good for me, what my family needs, what can I get out of it. Uh, there will always be people in the times of crisis looking to hide things away for themselves. But I want us to see how this story turns radically and how these individuals who are gorging themselves and hiding away their 401ks to where they can't be touched as they dig holes and drop gold in them and cover them up, I want to see how they come to their senses and how they radically change. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 9, here's the turning point. It's a powerful one. It's kind of like even Elisha has his pivot moment in this story. These four men have their pivot moment in this story as well. It says, then they said to each other, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us, Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Here's what we see in this simple verse is just that how they were thinking and what they were doing was not right. Uh, sometimes I know that I have moments, I'm sure that you've had moments, whether it's in a crisis situation, sometimes fear comes out, and we respond to that fear rather than responding in an attitude of love, and we have thoughts that are not right. Sometimes when our thoughts are not right, they're just solely negative, or maybe they are not helpful in any way. It might be that we have a limited understanding, limited knowledge, but we think that we can share things that are going to uh, radically change somebody's position or my personal position or whatever it may be. Maybe we pour stuff out on social media. Maybe we pour stuff out on people on the long lines or the spaced out lines at Home Depot or at you know uh, the grocery store, the very limited places that we're going. And, and we're just consistently saying things that are negative and things that are hurtful and things that have no value whatsoever. And I, I want to ask the question, how much better, how much more beneficial could our time be spent? How much more powerful, impactful, and influential uh, could our words be if we change how we're thinking, if we get right within our thoughts? Uh, Romans 12.2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we trust in God, when we're dependent on God, when we lean into Him, it gives us the opportunity to have our minds renewed, our thoughts renewed onto the thoughts of God. So, not only were their thoughts not right, uh, also their actions were not right. Sometimes our actions can be completely self-motivated, uh, especially when we are afraid or fearful. And I realize this current situation has brought in uh, a whole lot of stuff. It's loaded with opinions. 
It's loaded with personal thoughts and some emotionally charged beliefs as well, pitfalls of all kinds. And here's the reality. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't hold any PhDs. I especially don't hold a PhD in medical science either. Uh, But if I am motivated to know that my actions for a season of time, even my sacrifices or my losses for a season of time can be beneficial, can be helpful to even one other person's life, to not make decisions based on how I can help somebody else's life is very self-centered and very selfish. And, and that's how we see these individuals acting at first, but then we see this really strong pivot. And the reason they were not right is pointed out here is because their actions were completely self-centered. It says we can't do this. We're keeping everything for ourselves, and, and, and it's just simply not right. Sometimes we look at things, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my family? How is it going to affect my bottom line? Uh, what does this mean for what I want to do? And the best one of them all is none of your business. Mind your own business. What I do in my life is my own business, and it doesn't affect you. Now, here's the thing. Think about that for a minute. We have become a largely independent uh, society. Now, don't get me wrong. I love independence. And uh, when it comes to social distancing as an introvert, listen, you make an Olympic sport, I'm going to be on the podium, all right? Uh, But even, even introverts need community. We were designed in, out of, for community with God and uh, to have community with other people as well. And in times past, community was so much more important than it currently is within our culture. We've become so much more privatized and just personally independent. And I know that some of us struggle with this, but let me just give you an example really quick. It's funny to see how things have changed. Just even in the last couple of weeks, my wife went and met a friend. And uh, my wife had these couple of bags of lentils that she had bought for our family, uh, but this friend needed them. And so my wife jokingly said, what you got? And so this friend ended up trading her three rolls of toilet paper for two bags of lentils. I mean, this is like how society used to work, right? I can't wait it until my grandkid says, Papa, what did you do during the great virus of 2020? I'm like, I don't know what I was doing, but your grandma was dealing lentils behind the Dollar General. You know, I mean, it's just amazing, though, back to the point to be reminded how independent we've become and how much we've been driven away from society and community as a whole and working together as well. Now, when we refuse that our actions impact community, we're really being motivated with a very self-centered perspective. This next part is going to be a little bit of a leap for some of you. If you're not a believer, if you're trying and you're struggling with where you want to be as a believer and trying to know God better, uh, this may be a little bit of a leap, but listen, hang in there with me. Here's the reality. Before the creation of time, before the creation of community and society as we know it, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they existed. They lived in perfect community. Uh, It's not as if they created me or created you with this idea that we're lonely, so let's create something. No, they created us so that we could experience their community, so we could experience their love, so that we could live in such a way to, to glorify who God is and what he is doing and has done in, in our lives as well. And so as we think about that, we think about the creation story, our origin story of Adam and Eve living in community with God, living in community with each other, think about how all of that came undone. 
Along this thought of, hey, listen, this is my own business. Mind your own business. I'm going to do what I want to do. It doesn't affect anybody else. Think about that. Everything that we see now, this virus-creating world in which we live, my worldview is, is God has created all things, and yet the world in which we live is broken because Satan has influenced us towards self-focused, uh, selfish actions. And it all began with one selfish action. You know, I don't want what God wants. I want what I want. It looks good. I'm going to take it. How is it going to impact or hurt anybody else anyway? And yet we see so many things that come as a result of that even to this very day, even as we struggle with what's going on within our own personal lives as well. So, so these four men, they realized that their thoughts and their actions were wrong, so they pivoted and they decided, let's go share the good news. Now, I, I think some people will think, what can I do? How can I share How can I help? And and that's not just simply because we're limited right now in what we can do. I think even if we have all the freedoms that we normally have, we still struggle with this idea of being able to, to, to use what I have. So this is a perfect time to remember the context. These four men are lepers. They're sitting outside the city gate for a very specific reason. They're not allowed inside the city. They're social outcasts. Uh, They were socially distant uh, by the other people. In, in their context, in their mind, they have nothing to offer. They have nothing to give. And yet, they give the greatest gift to the city that they could ever give. Which brings us to a real simple point, and that's simply this. The simplest things can be the most helpful and the most hopeful. Think about some of the simplest things that you could do, that we could do. These four men, they did the simplest thing they could do. They just went and told others. Right now, even though we have certain limitations on us, let me tell you what, one of the best things we can do is pick up the phone and call somebody. Yeah, you know, I really enjoy, we've been talking about, hey, create your high five, and each week have a new high five. That is, call five people every week, just talk to them, see how they're doing, check up on them. Maybe they need help. Maybe you're like, I'm not sure who to call. I tell you, if you just take some time and meditate in prayer, God will give you a face, he'll give you a name, and, and just call them, talk to them, see how they're doing and catch up with them. It's a simple thing, but it can mean so much right now. You know, in addition to that, we had somebody come here to our building, um, and, and they wrote on the sidewalk in chalk, just encouraging words, helping us uh, to be, you know, just lifted up uh, that day. And, and I saw on social media where they had done it to some others as well. Listen, I know that even in these limitations, you can get out in like a really a secret fashion, and you could bomb somebody's sidewalk with some encouraging words, the sidewalk chalk, get back in your car and get out and limited, you know, contact and get home and stay safe. There's so many different things like that that are the simplest things. One of the things is you may just change your tone on social media. Uh, Stop trying to say that you've got this all figured out when even some of the most profound leaders in our country and world don't have it figured out yet. And just start trying to encourage uh, people with some words of encouragement as well. You know, if I get one more uh, post or message on Facebook about a conspiracy or that's negativity, I'm unfriending you, all right? I'm just telling you that right now, and you're coming off my list. Uh, Maybe another thing simply is just pick up a pen, write a note, write a card, drop it in the mail, spray it with Lysol first, okay? 
and, and just, just share some encouragement, share some love with other people. Uh, maybe you know someone who's lost their job. You know, one of the simplest things that you can do if you still have means is uh, maybe call Uber Eats, have a great meal delivered to their house. Uh, maybe drop off a Publix gift card in their, in their driveway or on their, their front doorstep or something like that. Uh, just find a way to be a blessing to people. The simplest things can be the most helpful, can also be the most hopeful. Uh, let me just share uh, this, these couple of verses as we wrap up. It begins in Romans chapter 8, and, and I'm going to pick uh, some verses that Paul writes to us as he writes through this letter. It starts in Romans chapter 8, and it says this, We know that the whole creation has been groaning and is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Uh, Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. There's There's this groaning within us because we know that there's a greater place for us. When you know that there's a greater world that God has prepared and is preparing for us. And as he advances through the letter in, in chapter 15, it says this. Each of us should please our neighbors uh, for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that though the endurance that so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide we might have hope even hope in the middle of a worldwide virus issue and then he goes on in the same chapter but further down may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the reality in the end. The selfless actions of Jesus is what motivates all this that we just simply read. Motivated through our relationship with Jesus, we have the opportunity, we have the ability to do some of the simplest things that can be helpful, that can be hopeful, for other people. As we look forward and as we are hopeful for what God is going to do in our lives, that's profoundly more. I hope that's encouraging to you. Let's just take a minute and pray about that this morning. Father, we are grateful to have this opportunity to read your word together. We're thankful for the technology that's bringing us together even when we need to stay physically apart. Uh, We pray that your words, the songs that we sing, the opportunity for communion together, all these things today just inspire us to trust you, to follow you, to know what Christ has done in our lives, which was motivated by his desire for us. Help us to have the same mind, the same actions that he had, and have a desire for other people, and and show others how we love them, how we care for them, and, and build community in that way so that we are centered around uh, your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.